How is it that we still have to prove to you how necessary fathers are in the home? Get the money, get the lawyer, build a case, dedicate the time to trying to be there. Only half of them get some custody. If government gets involved in anything, they will make it more expensive, they will make it worse, they will make it harder for every individual involved. Most men just cannot make it past the three-year mark mentally, financially, or both. They're they tap out. For women, they're never going to be in that position. I mean, unless they're a mass shooter and have already said that they intend to mass shoot again, they're going to get custody. The best way to avoid this ugly family court business in general is if we can just not hate each other to begin with. <laughs> quick fire question for you. Men and women in relationships, who's the worst? <laughs> we actually have things that we could learn there's men's logic and women's logic and a lot of women's logic isn't on the face of it very logical soon family court is not going to care about gender they're going to care about who's making the money as long as there are children there will be weapons you know what i mean Hi folks, welcome to the podcast. I'm absolutely delighted uh, to be joined by Lauren, uh, otherwise known as the Dadvocate. She's a content creator uh, to be found on uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, YouTube, you name it. And uh, she's uh, she's here talking to me right now. Um, hello, Lauren, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good, chilling like a champion as usual. How about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. Where, whereabouts are you? Uh, so I am in the Mitten State of north america so michigan okay right okay we, we can just point to where we are like this so kind oh, of a flex kind of a flex okay <laughs> weird flex but um yeah so anyway you're um you're 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 known as uh the dadvocate um who are the dads and, and why do they need an advocate and why are you yeah, so it's it is kind of a funny name, one that I just thought of. Um, but the people that I choose to represent, it's not necessarily all dads. I'm not out here saying even deadbeats deserve all the same things as parents who stick around and provide. Uh, the people that I'm fighting for are fit, capable healthy, active fathers who want to be there in their children's lives and simply just do not have the same access to their children due to the current family court laws. But it doesn't necessarily stop there. It, it started for me noticing some several injustices specifically toward fathers, but that doesn't mean that we don't stand up for mothers who are alienated or who are displaced by the family court system as well. Yeah. Okay. And and does this come from a, a personal place in terms of experience? Absolutely. Um, I don't think that this is an issue that anyone cares about until they are directly involved. I know this was not something that I grew up thinking about at all, having parents who are still married, um, never seeing anything like that. And I think that most people just kind of think to themselves, you know, if two people split up after having a child, the courts probably work it out pretty fairly. The systems mm -hmm. probably make sense. And it's not until, you know, you get yourself into a situation where let's say you begin dating a dad 
as I did. And when you're introduced to this man, he is seeing his son every single day. He has moved 250 miles away from his career, his friends, his family, everything that he knows just to be as close to and as accessible to his son as possible. And then as you continue to date this man and get to know more, you find out that he doesn't even have custody. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking to yourself, how is it that you see this child every single day and you don't have any custody of this child? And that's when I start learning more. Oh, well, if you're an unmarried mother in most states, you get what is called natural guardianship. You are just awarded sole physical and legal custody just right off the jump. And the only way to have that changed is if she agrees to 50-50. Could happen in some cases. Um, otherwise, if you need to compel the court for any custody at all, you need to prove that she's unfit as a parent. And that was such a turning point in my understanding of everything, because I'm thinking to myself, why are children not just allowed to fit and capable parents with custody? Why is it that they can only have one parent and one visitor or one fit parent and one unfit parent if they can't be together. It all seems very unnecessarily adversarial. Um, yeah. Whereas, I, I, yeah, I mean, life's bad. Life's always difficult. So even even for parents that are, are, are together, uh, bringing up children, uh, particularly you know more than one child, um, is is full of all sorts of uh, challenges. Uh, but then, but then, if they're split up and they're and they're doing this, uh, you know, apart or you know, co-parenting, even if they're doing it, it successfully, even if they get on, um, it you know, life's hard enough uh, without uh, without the, those sorts of those sorts of issues. Uh, I don't, I don't think, as you you're right. I mean, I don't think people really think about this unless they're in that situation or they know somebody you know really well who's in that sort of situation, um, because. Everybody assumes that, um, you know, when they start a family, it's going to stay a family. Of course, uh, I don't think they, they ever think they're going to be in that pos- in that position. Um, but what what is it specifically about uh, about men about dads that always seems to have them them on the back foot? A family court or a societally <laughs> as a whole? Would you say? Yeah, I suppose societally. Um, in terms of uh, how they are perhaps at work, perhaps they might be perceived as being, um, you know, the the other parent. Um, so getting time off work uh, for, um, you know, for sort of children's things, for things at school and so on and so forth. I, I think it's harder either to get that time off work uh, as a man or harder to ask for it. Absolutely. How, how- yeah, and, and it's, I mean, how, it's how, how do we break that down? Because I mean, it, it doesn't work like that. Let's say, for example, you've got two parents and they're co-parenting and they're doing fifty-fifty uh, or close to it or something like that. Um, when when the child is with the other parent, wh- whichever one it is, um, they're fulfilling all the parental needs uh, as one person. Um, Ideally, it's hard to yes. see how it really works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are so many studies. Um, Dr. Linda Nielsen, for example, submitted uh, about 42 separate studies, all compiled to the Department of Education in the United States, of multiple different studies on 
equal shared parenting across all kinds of social dynamics, um, low class, high class, different areas, and seem to conclude across the board that when children have equal access to both parents, they do better in school, they get in less trouble, they have less psychological, mental issues, overall healthier. And yet it's just, it became so fascinating to me, you know, just happening to date a dad who is split up from the mom and seeing into this world that overall, by and large, parents are able to handle things for the most part without taking it to court. We see that because I think it's like around 95% of cases handled completely outside of court. But then you have to imagine that the cases that are getting to court are probably the most adversarial, the people who need the most help. And then by the time they show up, they're told that the only way to succeed is by pitting as much damage against the other person as you possibly can. And so a situation that was already very heated, the only source of recourse we have for it is a system that is designed to make it more heated. And there's, um, I mean, you, you could say it's a bit of a, a conspiracy to say, but uh, there's also a benefit as far as the, as far as the government is concerned. Uh, when it comes to, I mean, I, I know it's different and the, the terms are different uh, sort of across the pond, but in terms of uh, child support, paying child support, um, that that money, if it's if it's taken through the system, then a certain percentage is kept by the government. Correct. Uh, so there's there's a big incentive there, or certainly not. Let, let's just say there's a disincentive to keeping uh, families together, to allowing or helping people to uh, mediate and and deal with these things outside of the courts and outside of those systems. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you bring up um, the conspiracy word because there are a lot of anti-father's rights groups who always call us conspiracy theorists for suggesting that the reason that, you know, so few fathers actually retain custody when they try to get it has to do mm. with the fact that, you know, they wouldn't just do it to get the child support. And it's like, Come on, guys, it's really not conspiratorial to suggest that the government is lazy. We know that the government is lazy. And when they choose to do it this way and this lazy way, they they win a lot of battles doing very little work. When they say, you know what, one of you is custodial, the other one's not, you make all the decisions, you don't, you pay, you get the money, and let's just do every other weekend – What's easy about that is now, not only are you maximizing the amount of child support that you're getting a cut of, of course, but also you don't have to worry about actually enforcing the parenting time and worrying about that because it all of these issues that they're having with fathers who are only going for 50-50 to get out of paying child support as they claim, they want to say that's the only reason that dads go for more time. That problem would be easily solved if governments actually held people accountable for whether or not they were showing up to their parenting time. But they don't want to do that. So they choose the laziest option, which is giving dad the least amount of time. So they have to worry about it less. Okay, if he doesn't show up to his four days a month, who cares? And then if he's not getting any time, if she's refusing it, I mean, 
what's the big deal? They still have one parent that's doing both jobs, right? So what, where's the harm? The kid's being taken care of and she's got the money to do it. By and large, uh, if government gets involved in, in anything, they, they will make it worse. They will make it more expensive. They will make it worse. They will make it harder for every individual involved. Um, the yes. one thing is, though, there seems to be uh, a, a definite bias um, towards um, towards women um, over over men when it comes to the government dealing in in family matters and childcare and, and such like. Th there's definitely that sort of bias. Um, do, do you think that 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 exists? It's funny. I've had this debate debate a good few times because mm. the, it is a very heated debate. You will find scholarly articles that attempt to refute this bias and will even suggest that women are actually discriminated against more that when they bring up allegations of abuse, they are held to a higher level of scrutiny, for example, that if the abuse cannot be proven, they will often lose custody. Um, to that, I, I say, you know, there, there's discrimination on both sides and there are biases on both sides. The way that family court is set up right now, unreformed without the presumption of equal shared parenting, without certain protections in place, it is such a, a wild, wild west. But just because there are certain biases and discriminations towards women that exist does not disprove the biases and discriminations that men are facing. I mean, the in a recent debate that I had with someone who absolutely did not believe that there is any discrimination towards fathers in the courtroom, we agreed that of litigated cases in the United States, of all fathers who seek custody... 50% receive some custody. And I said, how is, how is that a good number? That's terrible. Mm. A terrible outcome of all fathers who get the money, get the lawyer, build a case, dedicate the time to trying to be there. Only half of them get some custody. The person I was debating with thought that that was fine. And it just shows we have such a long way to prove. And it's like, it just shocks me because how, how is it that we still have to prove to you how necessary fathers are in the home when we have all of this data that shows what fatherlessness is doing to children? Mm. I, I don't think I don't think people are willing to accept, uh, and certainly some of these organisations are willing to accept that actually some things are failures. So uh, a marriage ending, sorry, it's a failure. Uh, having a having a, having a single parent family, it's a failure. The problem is when you have um, when you have debates like this. There are always going to be somebody who pipes up and absolutely de uh, derails the um, derails the conversation by bringing exceptions to rules. So as as soon as you start saying um, it, it's it, it's beneficial for for all children to have their father, um, then somebody's going to say yes. But what about a case where there's abuse? 
or what about a case where there's this what what about that we we see that with with lots of things in uh, you know um, lots of political debates somebody will always come up with the exceptions whether it's abuse whether it's you know incest you know they'll they'll come up with it they'll find the, they'll find that that exception that everybody has to agree with and say oh no that would be terrible um to uh, to derail the the argument but it doesn't it doesn't really go away because the statistics, the statistics are so clear that actually um children are better off when they have the the um the the father uh present should we say yep and i and i think that a lot of people they'll they'll try to meet you halfway there and they'll say well of course no one wants to take fathers out of the home that's why they have visitation and it's like th there is truly it is so difficult to be an effective father what a child needs as a father four days out of the month mm. th this is where we start getting into into an issue here because a lot of people once again are willing to dis sorry didn't mean to whack my mic there but a lot of people are willing to just let men take the fall, you know? Mm. It, it's a shame for a mother to be taken from their child, but, you know, men are supposed to provide. Men don't really need to be there necessarily. You know, a few visits out of the month is is fine. Um, but it's, it's ridiculous because they want to delegate fathers to being every other weekend. You're basically making him a fun dad at this point. Because he's mm. not involved in the day-to-day -day responsibilities now. You've, you've stripped him of that. And that's a big part of fatherhood. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, the, and the thing is, when, when, these, when this, these sort of things happen and uh, men are being sidelined from, uh, from seeing their children or from um, you know, spending time with them, um, whatever it may be, um, at a, at a later, t well, first of all, you have these crazy, um, I, I, well, I'm going to say it anyway, sort of, uh, female logic, um, kind of ideas where, well, you know, if, if you really wanted to see the child that much, then you would have fought. Well, I did fight, but you told me not to fight. You know, it's very, it's very difficult to kind of, kind of win especially if you're in a position from the from the outside so i imagine there are lots of men who are feel very much um sort of outside of the the whole um uh, scenario they're not able to uh speak directly to their children they have to go through they have to go through lawyers that costs an extremely amount of you know a large amount of money uh which they may not have because they might be um you know handing over large chunks of their their income already uh, to the yeah. person that's stopping them from seeing their own children. Um, I, I can see, and I imagine you've probably spoken to people, uh, spoken to men who have kind of got to the end of their tether with that and got to the point of almost giving up. Um, there, there was a study done, actually. Yeah, there was a study done that shows that most men who begin litigation to start fighting for their children quit after three years if it's still going right most men just cannot make it past the three-year mark mentally financially or both they they tap out yeah 
And, that, and that's nothing to do with the motivations, is it? That's nothing to do with it because they wouldn't have been fighting for three years to suddenly decide, oh, actually, I, I, I didn't think I was cut out to be a father anyway. I'm not going to, not going to try anymore. It's, there's no lack of, uh, there's no lack of, lack of intent. And, and there's no, there's also not any similar counter data that we could possibly compare, well, how long would women last if they were in a similar circumstance? Because it's just, they're not comparable whatsoever because women have that natural guardianship. They're, they're yeah. already, they already have the custody. Taking the custody away is so, so very difficult. Um, so it, it wouldn't really be similar. And this is also, you know, going back to how most people don't think about this kind of thing. They don't think about family court. We never even think to ourselves that it could take over three years mm. before you even get access to your child. Mm -hmm. And of course, for women, they're never going to be in that position. I mean, unless they're, unless they're a mass shooter and have already said that they intend to mass shoot again, um, they're going to get custody. They would really have to be the most terrible person and proven to be the most terrible person to have uh, custody taken away. Well, that's the thing. That's what us women are really banking on. And that is what really empowers us and emboldens us oftentimes is we really bank on that logic. But the truth of the matter is that it's coming for us all because family court sees that women are becoming equal income earners and family court sees that women are spending less and less time in the house and that there is less and less reason to defer to them as the natural caregiver. And so soon family court is not going to care about gender. They're going to care about who's making the money. And so these women who are now fighting and scrambling to be independent girl bosses, they're going to be out earning the men that they're sleeping with. And they're going to find themselves in the exact same situation that men have been. And mm. only then are they going to be like, damn it, I should have jo joined Lauren and Ted in fighting for equal shared parenting legislation <laughs> because this sucks. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, but then, um, but then, are, are they going to get to that point? I mean, th those those people, those women that you described, um, are we are we getting further and further further away from a place where they're actually going to be having children, uh, whether or not it's just somebody that they're sleeping with or whatever the relationship might be? Uh, we're kind of move, moving away from that. Um, I mean, we're, we're, yeah. you know, people aren't having children at the same rate as they used to. I mean, across the even across the world, um, we are we we seem to be running at less than replacement rate uh, when it comes to births. Um, are we um, are we going to find this this stops being a problem because we we stop having children? Hmm. No, <laughs> I, I don't think so. As long as there are children, there will be weapons. You know what I mean? Because the children are the weapons. As long yeah. as people can weaponize that carnal need to take and protect, it's going to be weaponized. So yeah. no matter how yeah. few or how many, it, it's not even about what the birth rate is. It's about we got to figure out what to do with the ones we got. <laughs> okay. Leaving leaving the girl boss uh, to to one side, uh, in terms of the the average uh, the average family, what was the average family, and now is becoming uh, the more 
um, the more common uh, family as, as, you, as you see it, where you've got a single parent family. Do you, do you think, uh, I mean, quite a few people say this, but do you think that actually, because of the assistance that comes from the government, um, you know, not just legally, as we were talking about, in, in assistance in terms of welfare uh, and so on and so forth, particularly in the West, do you, do, you, do you see that perhaps the government is kind of taking over the, the, the role as father? Uh, so we end up with uh, mothers and the father is this, uh, um, this kind of government that, uh, that, that sits over as, as, the, uh, as the protector. Yeah, I do see what you're saying because the, in the Venn diagram of you know people fighting for custody, as far as the ones who are independent earners and the ones who are trying as hard as they can to not be, there's probably quite a large stretch. Not always the same ones. Um, and yeah, I, I will say this. I think that's another thing too, is the ones who do recognize the reality of the situation that, hey, if I'm even making as much as him and we're doing 50-50, if I make a penny more, I'm the one who has to pay, those ones... I are going to be heavily decentivized to Hmm. apply themselves to keep doing all of that. You know, and it's tough to say um, because every situation is different. I believe the average child support order is like $330 or something. So would that actually be enough to live off of very unlikely, I would say. But at the same time, it there's definitely not an incentive to earn more yeah. than the person yeah. you're co-parenting with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Leaving, leaving the co-parenting thing uh, to one side, because sometimes it can just get yeah. very depressing thinking about it. Um, you're, uh, you, you seem, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem like your, your presence online, uh, sort of, uh, was spearheaded by, by that sort of drive to, 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 uh, find, uh, some sort of, uh, help and, uh, an advocacy for, for dads. Uh, but this, this is branched out into, uh, looking at relationships in general, uh, and yeah. pretty much more or less looking at, uh, men and women and how they're different and how they kind of, um, r- rub alongside each other in, in, in the home, in relationships and, and also, um, out of relationships. Yeah, I kind of figured, you know, probably the best way to avoid this ugly family court business in general is if we can just not hate each other to begin with. (laughs) That's kind of how I started branching off into that. You know, I've been with the same guy for about 10 years now. So I'm not about to say that I'm this this marriage expert or this relationship guru, but I can certainly say that I've learned a lot about what it takes for men and women to coexist with each other. And we have tons of married friends. So finding the things that we fought about, but finding ways to make them funny, I thought would end up being very beneficial to people in the dating world. Let's just mm-hmm. tackle the problems head on. Mm. And and you've got a, a few sort of series of uh, videos where you're, you're uh, woman-splaining to men. <laughs> Which way around is it? You're woman explaining to men and you're mansplaining to women. Uh, and, and just kind of 
trying to get inside, uh, you know, the the head of a woman and trying to explain that to a man, and also getting to the to the head of a man and explaining uh, explaining men to women. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I do I I do believe it in uh, in a lot of what you're saying because I don't think we necessarily uh, think the same way and, and what we say and what we do doesn't really uh, doesn't really gel. Um, I mean, I, I know for a fact that uh, uh, like women absolutely hate uh, inactivity in men. That seems to be one of the key things. Uh, so, whereas a man would like nothing more than just to sit there, not necessarily doing anything, but, it, you know, it's quite nice to just sit down and do nothing. Uh, but that's like a, a red rag to a, a bull for uh, uh, for women. There must always be some sort of activity, uh, those sorts of things. Exactly. And it's something that you really have to consciously think about. And I think that... It's the, the same goes for men. I don't think that most men living their lives and growing up would consciously be thinking to themselves, you know, I should be respectful to women. And I think that I should take the time out of my day to understand what they want and need so that I can, you know, better exist with them on this planet. But hmm. I think that it's very cool in society to teach that, to demonstrate that. I think that that's such a big part of how men build their masculinity. I think that it's kind of a staple of what makes men men is to some degree treating women well. However, that's not really a big part of women culture. I don't, in fact, it's quite the opposite, especially with the way that a lot of pseudo-feminist ideologies have started to impregnate social media with the idea of like you're actually a girl boss if you hate men mm. i've even heard the take i don't know if you've heard this one women say that you want to date a woman who hates men because then you know that you're safe because she hates the rest of them you're the good one no, that doesn't make, it make any sense at all <laughs> no, you don't see the logic no, in that. <laughs> no, I no, I don't see the logic. Again, this is the difference in terms of logic. There's, I, I feel like there's men's logic and women's logic, and a lot of women's logic isn't, um, on the face of it, very logical. But men's logic seems to be reasonably <laughs> logical. I don't know. I, I, I think we we might go around with our heads in the sand and and not really uh, pay much attention to certain things like. Um, towel on the floor or pants in the wrong place but um but that's that that's kind of fine um whereas you know the sort of women's logic is is sort of uh, about face this kind of idea that men need to be able to uh, read minds um rather than there being a, a clear communication uh like please put the towel somewhere else. Um, there's kind of this, well, you know, if you really cared, it would it, already know. I, I just think that a lot of women are stubbornly refusing to accept that we actually have things that we could learn from men. 
Mm. I think that so much of female culture is celebrating breaking away from men and not listening to men that so oftentimes we don't stop and realize that if we actually listened to a lot of the way that men do things, we would probably be a lot less depressed and anxious. You know, for example, the sitting down thing, it has taken me years to actually listen to my husband when he's like, babe, you need to sit down. You, you need to put your feet up, <laughs> you know, you're just running around like a chicken with her head cut off. You need to, you need to relax, you know, and it's, and we stress each other out so much as women with this whole like perfect Instagram house, scrub your baseboards, make sure everything's prim and proper and tidy. And men are not having these problems. <laughs> mm they're chilling out. They're not going to each other's houses and judging each other. If there's a few dishes in the sink or if there is a pair of pants on the floor, can you even think of a single time that when you went over to your buddy's house and there's like a little bit of a mess and you were like, I'm not, I'm talking a little bit. We're not talking about, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. about the average guy, the average guy. Someone's going to listen to this and be like, well, my husband from seven <laughs> years ago used to keep eight cats in one room. No, we're not talking about Greg. <laughs> no, I, I think, I, I think, yeah, I think we can definitely identify if you walk into somebody's house and it's clearly a health risk. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a few things not, not necessarily in the right place or, you know, the magazine's not necessarily ordered in the right way on the, uh, on the table. Uh, that's certainly not something that we're too too bothered about. Or just uh, it God seems forbid, occupation for women. Evidence that someone lives there. Mm. Oh, dishes are out. Oh, there's a, a hoodie from last night. Like, oh, God forbid, there's signs of life in the place that people are living. <laughs> that that being said, that being said, there seems to be this kind of uh, cut off between the home and other environments with women. Because whilst the house must be absolutely pristine and everything should be in the right place at the right time, that women's cars. I knew you were going to say by the and car. large, women's cars are, you know, the, these are these are the places where these weird cultures grow. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, we're talking about, you know, Wuhan and their labs and and you know problems uh, that stem from that. I mean, if you look in some women's cars, handbags. That's another one. These terrible breeding grounds for uh, for bacteria and rubbish. Uh, I will never forget. I had made friends with this new girl, and we had made plans to hang out. She's like, I'll pick you up. And she picks me up, and at the seat of the passenger side, uh, there's just this, like, to-go box, and it's a see-through to-go box of, like, a Caesar salad. I'm like, okay, this is her Caesar salad, but, like, whatever. <laughs> and then she, she wants to hang out with me, like, two days later. She's like, I'll pick you up again. She picks me up. The Caesar salad is still there. Mm. And this time she's picking me up and I'm just watching it all slosh around in there. I'm like, this is two day old Caesar salad. That's pretty gross. And we ended up hanging out the very next day. And when the Caesar salad was still in there, I was like, see, we are just as bad as dudes. You cannot convince me. We can be so gross. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, well, this is the thing. So I, I don't. It's not necessarily. It's not necessarily about standards. Maybe it's about. It's kind of creating a facade. So you know, the house. The house needs to be pristine. Um, so that you know, friends go around and they'll see the house and they'll be, be impressed by the fact that you've got a, a lovely shiny house with 
you know, white fluffy carpets or whatever it is. Um, uh, it's very much, it's like, that's like an extension of the whole Instagram thing. So, uh, here's my life. Look at how wonderful it is. Here's a, you know, really, uh, nicely curated, uh, bunch of photographs or videos of what my life is or could be. Um, um, and, and the reality is quite different. Uh, same as the house. The reality is what the car looks like. Um, yeah, I do know somebody who's a woman who I'm not going to name, uh, but uh, went to get her car washed at the car wash. So, you know, like the hand car wash and they 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 do all the stuff inside and out. Um, they refused to take it. They said it was too dirty. Wow. Now, when that happens, yeah. you've got to you've got to wonder, haven't you, what your cleaning routine's like? <laughs> That's that is pretty bad. <laughs> That's now, pretty to, bad. But I do want to ask you a question, actually, because this yes, is a, a we the women want a man's perspective on one thing. I feel like I see this all over TikTok, all over my algorithms. Women are always complaining that when they're living in the same place as a man, be it husband, long term partner. And it's time to have guests over for an event. They say that the man always goes off to do something seemingly so unrelated to the party. Like he'll start cleaning the gutters or like painting the fence. Do you have any experience with this phenomenon at all? Um, I, I Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd much rather be doing something uh, productive than, than entertaining guests. I mean, let's face it. These, you know, if you're if you're entertaining guests, if people come around to the house, they they are either one person's friends or another person's friends. Generally speaking, it's not one group of friends. You would not have, um, like, say for example, you might have friends. Your husband also has the same friends. You will might have a dinner party. That's fine. But would your would your husband always go out? Would they go out alone? with those friends so you know deep down that some are your friends some are his friends and there's definitely a difference so if you've got people coming around and they're not your friends they you know family friends or friends of the friends of the wife or vice versa then uh yeah going away and and, and doing something I, I don't know maybe women are just more sociable i think it always comes down to a miscommunication thing because you know, we're, we're talking about a general situation and just like these women on TikTok, it's really easy for them to like come together and agree like, well, of course, if you're doing this, he should be helping you do this. But, you know, you as a man, you process, okay, we're having company come over, so I should do something productive. You know, it comes down to a failure to communicate. If she wants him involved in the cooking or the preparing or the something, otherwise he's like, this is your thing. I'm just going to stay out of your way until given specific instruction. But if someone says to you, you know, can you get the house ready? You're, mm. I feel like a man is going to be like, you know, a broken printer where he just kind of starts off on the last task that he was given before he shut down from doing housework. You know, and it was like, mm. okay, what was the last thing? Oh yeah, adjust the bed frame. And then you're like, why are you adjusting the bed frame? I told you to get the house ready. You're like, well, you, the last time you told the house, me to get the house ready, you told me to fix the bed frame. 
Well, yeah. I mean, this is all about communication. I mean, I, I watched, uh, watched one of your videos. Uh, I think it was a fairly recent one. I forget. Um, but it was, uh, you, you were explaining the difference between, uh, how, uh, a man and a woman have, have gone about something. And you gave this great example of saying, okay, let's say, for example, you and your partner decided to sit down and both draw a cat. Oh, yeah. You might well both draw a cat. They might be clearly obvious as, as cats once you've, once you're looking at the pictures. Um, but, but they're different. And one party shouldn't have this idea that, um, just because somebody's doing a task or completing a task, like drawing a cat, um, whatever it may be, um, they're doing it. They're just not necessarily doing it the way you would do it. You would do it or the way that you would want it. Yes. I forgot all about that video. <laughs> I haven't even been doing that this long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there, there was another one that I did and someone had asked me recently, what is like the one woman splaining thing that I would say that I woman splain the most often. And I would say it's the, the redoing the chores thing until it's mm. perfect you know how women will like come up behind you most often women i've heard some men do this but it's most often a woman thing and it's the the refolding the towels thing that is such a common one is when couples can't agree on how to fold the towels and i'm like what would be the worst thing if you opened up your cabinet and it looked like this and like half of them were rolled and half of them were folded and it's like look if you can grab it like it's so crazy i just think that Women need to be doing more work into basically unbrainwashing ourselves with some of these like super domestic labor aspects that we make such a part of our identity, you know, and instead of acknowledging, hey, maybe the bar that I'm setting for myself is too high. We want to focus on the bar for men is too low. The bar for men is too low. Maybe we got to just like meet somewhere in the middle because like demanding that we have to have these perfect gray walls and drink out of a $50 Stanley cup and have all these things be perfect to be happy is like men aren't having these problems. <laughs> no and and if men live alone as long as they've got a reasonably large tv and one chair that's all they need out of life uh so all the other things uh it, it does only i don't think it really matters to them they just need to know they just need to know the towels need to go in a certain way and that's fine because if you're going to fold i i don't care how i fold a towel uh i don't care where things go it's just you know, as long as I know once, then I can I can get on with it. But it's never going to be that important to me, and I don't think it's important to to most men. They're just trying to uh, get on their lives, get on with their lives, because you know they want to do what they they like to do, uh, which is usually just sitting at the end of the bed for thirty minutes doing absolutely nothing. You know, I th I think one other thing that women need to take away from men is also. One thing we know in distinction wise between men and women is that women are, tend to be more agreeable than men, which sometimes is a good thing. It's nice. It's very nice. But sometimes being real is more important than being nice. And I, if you're going to tell someone to do something, the reason behind it 
has to make sense. And I think that a lot of women are like, okay, yes, when I put the dishes away, I will make sure that it's alternating red, brown, red, brown, because that is what she likes and it is nice. Whereas a man will be like, my time is too valuable. I will put the dishes away. <laughs> and a lot of people don't like that. But the fact of the matter is if we women started like sticking up for ourselves a little bit more and not doing things just to be nice. And we actually valued our time more than like this nice superficial stuff. I think we'd be a little happier, but also, yeah, yeah it's got to make sense or you can't expect people to. Yeah. Commit. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't even think it necess- It doesn't even necessarily need to make sense. It just needs to be uh, perhaps pointed out, but it, it, in a positive way. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I saw how you, 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 I, I, oh, I saw one of your other uh, videos recently, uh, which was, um, I think it was a, a guy had made bacon. Uh, and you were reacting to this because some guy had made bacon and he'd been praised about the way that he'd made the bacon. Uh, by his wife. And so he was doing it again because <laughs> he'd got some sort of positive reinforcement from the way that he did something. And it was a positive thing. So rather than being, um, you know, nitpicked or hempecked or whatever it is about something, he's actually getting praise. And then all of a sudden he's jumping up and more than happy to go and do it again. Um, because, uh, because it's a positive thing. That's uh, that is such a true such a true yes and statement to what I just said. Like yes, don't make commands of someone unless there's logic behind it. But also, it doesn't have to have logic if you're sweet and kind enough about it. You know, like mm. I'm sure if it was something like let's say I liked a cute little banister being hung during certain seasons. This is not something that needs to be done. It is superficial, but I'm sure that if I went up to my husband, I was like, oh my God, I get so excited about this little banister being changed for the holidays. It makes me so happy. I bet you he would do it even without being asked, as opposed to if I was like, hey, listen, the banister needs to be changed when the seasons change, and I'm going to be really pissed off at you if you don't do it. Like, yeah, you're going to see some differences in the response there. Yeah, that's a very different, very different approach. Because, uh, and apart from anything else, if he didn't even bring up the subject, he wouldn't even notice that it ever changes. <laughs> There's no reason to notice that. You know, things things just, um, you know, our, our surroundings. We can't focus in on everything. So, um, you know, in uh, our surroundings, we, we don't necessarily take um, take uh, uh, notice of, of, of everything. Um, so, yeah. you know, here's, how about this for a, sort of a quick fire question for you? Um, men and women in relationships. Okay. Who, who's, who's at fault? Who's the worst? <laughs> wow. That is a tough one. I really, I don't think that you can say overall one demographic over the other is, is worse okay. in relationships. Uh, let me rephrase that. Who's the worst on, uh, on social media? Uh, because it seems like you're, it seems like you are reacting to a lot of women and their, um, what do you call it? Yeah. Partner shaming. Oh, yeah. Um, when it comes yeah. to bringing the business onto social media, I would say women are worse. Mm. I, I catch it more often. Cause here's the thing. My, partner shaming series, the series where I catch people who are trying to publicly humiliate their partner, but have hopes for a normal, healthy relationship. They think that that's just a normal thing to do. 
that is not for women only. It's not like the only people I cover doing that. I only cover women. I've covered a few men. It's just you see it remarkably less often. And oftentimes when I am tagged in a video of a man partner shaming his wife, most oftentimes I don't even need to cover it because the dude is already getting decimated in the comment section and ratioed into oblivion. People don't Mm. want to see men shaming their wives. They want to see men pedestalizing their wives. But since the dawn of the sitcom, people have loved seeing husbands getting thrown under the bus. Yeah, yeah. But then also, there's always been that sort of trope that uh, you know it's the uh, it's the it's the the little woman at home who uh, is like a like a battle axe, and she she runs the home, and she's like a uh, constantly shouting, and there's this little uh, meek uh, husband figure who who spends as much time as possible in the shed at the bottom of the garden uh, to try and avoid her. Right, right, yeah, it's um. The, the whole dichotomy between the two, but the problem is that people, they lose sense of reality because in the sitcoms when it's like dumb Homer and smart Marge keeping everything together, there was always the safety net that one, it's a cartoon and it's not actually a reality. And two, they like actually love each other at the end of the day. But when we go into actual partner shaming, like actually posting these private intimate fights that you're having with your spouse in this way that is first of all can become viral and second of all is just permanently memorialized on the internet for anyone to call back or refer to at any point in time they don't recognize that that's radically different than a cartoon that's your real life yeah, it's a it's an interesting idea. I mean, I, I I get that people do this, and they do it for views, and they're they're trying to get the uh, some sort of reaction, and you know, it's that sort of dopamine hit of you know having uh, having some sort of attention. But um, it's it's not it doesn't come it doesn't come across very well, and I think there are lots of places where, and I'm sure men do it, and I and I I probably don't notice it so much, but like if, if you look in in the um, uh, look in the area of dating. So, like women's dating profiles online, um, there will be a lot of um, there will be a lot of like really negative things that are kind of tr- they try to spin as a positive. Um, so, oh my god, like, I'm a little I'm a little bit crazy, but you like it. Oh, yeah, I'm cr- <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm a you know I'm I I I, I my my my. Um, like first language is sarcasm. Sarcasm. That's it, that's not necessarily a, that's not a positive trait. They're never positive traits. You know, there's never oh I'm kind and lovely and such and such. It's it's kind of I'm positive. You know, if you if you don't like it, don't take it. That there's that kind of sassy, um, that kind of sassy attitude to it. Um, and you know what? That's not an attractive. That's not an attractive thing. So I, I don't know really where that comes from. Um, is there a big disconnect, do you think, between what women think is attractive and what men actually find attractive? I think that women don't 
seem to recognize that there's no shortage of entitled, spoiled princesses in the dating market. <laughs> I mean, they're not like m- most women. I've heard of some girls doing this. Don't know what the pool looks like to men. Yeah. They don't see what men are seeing. They just are getting fed everything. The same stuff that I get fed as a woman, which is like, you are inherently valuable. You are the prize. You are worthwhile. Men are trash and they need to chase you and pursue you. And that, oh yeah, here's the other big new thing. And that if he asks you to pay 50, 50, he hates you. All things are being told. And then we like jump in there and we have no idea that we are the 74th person who is like, and you better worship me or don't waste my time that he's seen today. <laughs> yeah. It's not a great opener, but it can, it can be a bit more sinister when, when um, people are, are saying the, the, the kind of quiet bit out loud, um, you know, in, in conversations and in dates, uh, when, when they start talking and this leads really into the whole relationship thing and, and people working together in relationships. When you speak to somebody, and they say, oh, yes, my, my ex. My ex was a narcissist. My ex was this. My ex did that. My ex did this. And talking about all this kind of trying to bring up all this kind of, uh, you could call it uh, trauma or whatever it may be. Now, in my head, if I'm talking to, if I'm talking to somebody who's saying, oh, yeah, my ex was a narcissist, I start thinking this is a projection. I start thinking, whatever you're saying about somebody else who isn't in the room to defend themselves, whatever you're saying about somebody else that I've never met is now what I think about you. Because they say that, don't they? They say, if you go around talking, you know, uh, bringing people up, talking about people in a really positive light, then you start to see the, they start to see you in that positive light. So I say, Oh, have you, you know, have you met Lauren? She's, you know, she's really kind and bubbly and, uh, really nice person to be with. If you're saying that to somebody, they're going to start thinking that about you because whatever you say is, is something that could be attributed to yourself. So when it's something negative, like, Oh, my ex was a narcissist. My immediate thought is you're probably a narcissist. I, I have definitely learned when not to question as soon as someone is starting to get a narrative built with mm. me about someone else. I'm always like, why are you trying to get me to feel a type of way about this person I haven't met? I always start to question it. But my rule is that you get one person in your life that you get to complain about who has been very toxic to you. One. But if it starts adding and every guy you've ever dated has been a narcissist and everything bad just happens to you then i start to find the common denominator <laughs> yeah 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 that's good i mean there's, there's there's a really good fable actually um and i'll bore you with it go on there's um <laughs> there's 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 a, there's a yeah so there's um there's an old guy sitting by the by the um the entrance to a village uh, and he's he's sitting on the bench and a man walks up and he says ah um could you tell me what are the people like in this village well says the old man what were they like in your previous previous place and the man says well um actually they were um 
they were really rude and horrible and um they they you know they they were they were they were mean um and um you know dirty and um horrible people and the old man says well you know on you go but i think you'll find people are much the same here and then another man turns up a little while later sees the old man on the bench and says excuse me could you tell me what are the people like in this village and the old man says well what were they like in your old village well says the man they were kind they were generous they were lovely couldn't you know couldn't do any more for you fantastic people well says the old man on you go but i think you'll find most people are the same in this village it's exactly the same thing it's yeah. kind of a um you know if you see the good in people um whether you're in a relationship with them whether you're you know contemplating a relationship with them or whether they're just people on the street if you see the best in those people um you, you're probably going to get it i love that that's a great fable <laughs> tell me whilst whilst we're talking about sort of positive traits that let's, let's just quickly cover the negative before you go um you get a lot of pushback I would say how so. bad does it get? How bad does it get online? And what what are you sort of uh, encountering? So I will say this. When you reach a certain level, I would say as soon as I even started getting to like 10,000 followers, I remember sitting down with my husband and like telling him like, okay, I have to start mentally preparing now to hear the worst possible things about myself because I just knew it to be true of the internet, which if, if anybody gets into content creating, I highly recommend just like sitting yourself down and coming to grace with it very early on because it will really shield you from a lot of the damage that comes in. You know, people really do come for your looks, um, the way that you talk, uh, every possible thing that they'll get you on. Um, they'll, they'll take little snippets of things that you say to extrapolate it into stuff that you never meant or you never said to assassinate your character. But all that being said, I will say overall, by and large, I have a great audience who gets the message, who understands the nuance of situations, who they may not agree with me on everything that I say, probably disagree with a few things here and there, but overall are just good people who actually care about bringing some kind of balance to a lot of these conversations. So it's, it's really easy to ignore the haters in the face of all the good out there. And that's similar to the fable that you just mentioned. That's also the, the attitude I've had going into everything with me, whether it was like a job as a waitress at a restaurant or as a YouTuber. And I'm always going in every day with a good, fresh attitude about it. Um, but I will say this, uh, yeah, I, I really don't get anything like t too crazy either. So, so far, nothing too bad. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And the other thing is the haters, they, they, they do improve your numbers. 
<laughs> right. Um, they don't and, realize. Uh, and also give you, give, give, give you more content as well, really. It is kind of funny because you will occasionally get the people who they hate you so much and they start going off on tirades and they're leaving paragraphs and paragraphs. <laughs> and especially on platforms like TikTok where the video is playing while you're typing. I'm like, you have no idea how much engagement you just gave me. And now yeah. I'm going to show back up on your algorithm. What are you doing? <laughs> Going back to um, going back to the the, the 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 advocacy, where do you see things going? Do you think things are going to get better for for fathers? If we're going to talk about them specifically, do you think things yeah. are going to be better? Do you think families oh, yeah. are going to get better? Oh yeah, uh, we've got our foot on the gas pedal. We are working with a lot of different communities. Um, the biggest one would be Americans for Equal Shared Parenting is the biggest group right now in the United States pushing for equal shared parenting legislation. Um, we've got a big leadership meeting coming up in Indiana. Um, there's a meeting planned for California. Um, and there's a lot of people working on it. A lot of people are starting to open their eyes to it. There's a lot of data contributing that is pointing to this being the best. Um, and so I, I honestly, in my heart of hearts, I think that it is going to start moving toward equal shared parenting, even if it's just, like I said, due to wage equality starting to kind of meet more in the middle, like women starting to earn more, even if that's the reason, um, I think that in the next 10 years, we will have at least 20 out of 50 states have presumed equal shared parenting. That is my my sincerest hope. I would love to see it be earlier. It's just that law is so slow. But I think the yeah. perception is starting to change. I think the perception yeah. is tra- starting to change big time. The data is pointing to the fact that fathers are more involved than ever before. And we have more access to document that they're more involved than ever before. And so good luck trying to prove that these fathers haven't been fathers now. <laughs> mm, mm. In the unlikely event that anybody's watching this and hasn't already seen your content, where are you and uh, how, how do they find you? Yeah, um, definitely I would recommend my YouTube over all else because that is where I get into the longest form content and you can watch my yep. shorts, everything. TikTok's probably the next best one. If you also love Instagram or Facebook, I'm on there. And then if you end up becoming a true Dadvocate fan and you are like, dang, I'm all about this, I do have a Patreon where you can get some exclusive merch. So the designs are pretty cool, I have to say. And <laughs> um, what's next for you in terms of um, in terms of uh, your your content? Uh, is it going to be uh, more of the same? Uh, have you got anything else planned? Yeah, I would say more of the same for sure. There is almost no end to talking about how to make relationships better, the fights that we have, stuff like that. Um, so always more content, but we are looking to launch a podcast this year as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I can learn from the greats like yourself of how this whole world goes down. Uh, and then I'm also Keeping hoping that to... Yeah, I'm also hoping to write a book on woman splaining too. So, 
Well, listen, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, it's a, also a big warning to anybody out there that's thinking about uh, doing any kind of partner shaming. Uh, the <laughs> the advocates will be uh, will be after you. She will get you. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for being on. Um, hopefully we'll we'll have a catch up um, after uh, after a little while. Um, but yeah, thank you. It's been uh, it's been fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. That was a conversation recorded on the 18th of January 2024 with Lauren, also known as The Dadvocate. Definitely some food for thought there, and I'm sure if you've got some comments, you'll put them in the comment section, or of course you can DM me. If you've got more to say, and perhaps you'd like to be on the show, please do get in touch. But my thanks uh, once again to Lauren for joining me on the podcast, and my thanks to you all for watching or listening. Until the next video, goodbye. Thank you.